At Federal, we have products for every season and every pursuit. Our passionate and dedicated teams design, build, and deliver the world's best American-made ammunition, whether you're hunting, target shooting, or defending yourself and family. Our pride and hard work can be found in every box, ammo can, or bottle of ammunition. For us, it's always in season. It's federal season. Welcome Federal Ammunition's podcast, It's Federal Season. I'm Tom Sega, President and CEO of Duluth Pack, another Minnesota mainstay for outdoor recreation. I'm pleased to guest host this episode focusing on 100 years of federal ammunition. Joining me today is President of Federal Jason Vanderbrink and VP of Marketing Jason Nash. Great to be here with you. Jason and Jason, welcome. Thanks, Tom. It's good to be here, and uh, thanks for making the trek down from uh, the great city of Duluth to uh, downtown Anoka, Minnesota. What a great place to be on a Tuesday morning. You know, this is pretty cool because we're in the historical society in, in Anoka, Minnesota, and, and in the, the setup that they've done for federal, which obviously we'll get into that during the podcast today, but walking around here before we started, it is pretty cool and people need to come and view this. Yeah, it's cool. A hundred years, that's something special that we're going to get into today. It's a lot of history. I mean, we've, we've been here working with this historical society to sort through a lot of great artifacts and there's just a lot of great material. Folks, for this special episode in our first segment today, we're going to look at people who make Federal's history so interesting and some pivotal moments in the first 100 years. In the second segment, we'll look at some innovations and other monumental decisions that has propelled Federal to be the number one, did you hear that folks? Number one ammunition maker in the world. Pretty impressive, fellas. It is. It's uh, from our humble beginnings as we'll get into to uh, where we are today. A lot of uh, hard work and a lot of innovation and a lot of thought have went into making Federal who we are today. We're on location today recording this special episode. We're at the Anoka County Historical Society among the new exhibit highlighting Federal's first 100 years. And this will be open to the public and people can learn more uh, in the news and notes segment. Jason Nash, talk a little bit about the company prior to becoming Federal Cartridge Company. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, Federal Cartridge and Machine Company was founded in 1916 by, by a couple of brothers, Harry and Lewis Sherman, who actually came from Western um, Cartridge in St. Louis. And uh, there's a connection there with Olin, of course. And uh, they, they were a couple of guys who were really good at starting things, but didn't follow through all that well. So uh, the, the company kind of, you know, didn't do all that well. That They only called employees in when they had some orders, and eventually they just weren't very solvent. And that's when, you know, um, Opportunity for Federal Cartridge Corporation came about. So that's not really that there was a high and low in the industry. They were just not real good at running a business. Yeah. In, in fact, you know, they went on and started American Cartridge Company, which they eventually sold back to, to Federal. So it, it's been interesting to see how those guys really were the catalyst for Federal Cartridge Company as it is today. But 
um, you know, they, they started and left and left opportunity for others. And this dates all the way back to 1916. 1916, long time ago. Holy cow. So JV, after that business failed, Charles Horn entered as an investor. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so Charles is, is uh, you know, since 1922, he bought Federal from bankruptcy um, and started with, if, if at least when I was a kid in rural Michigan, we'd always go buy BBs in those cardboard tubes. So he bought Federal because they made paper shotgun shells. Um, and, and that tube he bought so he could put BBs in the tube. And to this day, I have a, a picture of our first patent on my desk today, which is the federal shot shell paper tube. That's federal's first patent and still a very, very good selling item for us today. So it all started with a vision of how to put BBs in a tube because federal made paper tubes and uh, to what it is today. So he wanted to literally buy the the company because you made shot shells, mm-hmm. and he wanted to put his BBs in it that he was selling to people for BB guns. Yeah. Those little old tubes that we, actually, I still have those Absolutely. little old tubes for crying out loud. Well, that's really cool. So let's, let's look at uh, some of the market from early on with Federal and the idea of Charles Horn and where he sold some of these these shotgun shells is is really what he was selling at the time. Yeah, so it was uh, Charles was an entrepreneur to put it mildly, um, a great visionary, uh, a good astute businessman. But uh, you know, a, as you uh, as you have a, a really nice business, Tom, you still have overhead to cover, right? So you better expand your operations to cover the overhead. So Charles was uh, was very thoughtful and where access to ammo would be different and differentiate, you know, um, from, from Remington and Winchester, honestly, we had to go sell our ammo in different spots, such as a barber shop, such as a hardware store. So if you went into the barber shop and you wanted some pheasant loads, Charles would, uh, would, would ensure that we had some ammunition to sell at barbershop. So the, the points of distribution, were much different than the competitors. Um, and it actually got Charles a good start because, you know, you think of, uh, in the twenties and thirties, and I can assume, um, a lot of people went to barbershops those days. It was probably a social gathering, much like some corner cafes are today for some farmers and whatnot. But, uh, that's how federal started with those points of distribution. Um, it's really cool. It's really enlightening and it's, it's thoughtful. It absolutely made sense to, sell ammo where you don't have any competitors. And at the time, barbershops and hardware stores made absolute perfect sense. I like this one. And pool halls. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I guess back in the the Uh day, you know what? You you got to find a different way to skin the cat. That's, that's pretty cool. And you know, that's what entrepreneurs do Yeah, is they hustle. They, they beat somebody else to the punch. That's right. And you know, back in, if you think about it, 1922, how many hardware stores were there because there were no big box stores. That's right. so it was hardware stores. All mom and pop hardware stores, barbershops. It was probably very plentiful. Oh, that's pretty cool. So Nash, let's talk a little bit about today's generation. Uh, and, and as I shouldn't say today's, but as they moved forward um, to the Fauché Tower downtown and tell us some fun stories and fun facts 
Yeah, the the Fauché Tower is pretty. It's amazing to think that they used to have an office down there. And um, a, a guy who used to work for me has passed on. Uh, Bill Stevens, who was our conservation uh, manager and started that program with 4H Shooting Sports, actually sat next to Charlie uh, back in the day. So he, uh, you know, he had a lot of rich history that I've heard over my years here. But uh, yeah, one of the the fun things we found out about Charles is you know he had this red Buick Tourer that he would actually deliver some of the the deliveries to barbershops and and some of these distribution points early in his days. And he also was big on connecting directly with employees, much like our president today is, Jason. And uh, he would actually hand out checks from his red Buick uh, on payday Fridays. So it, it was pretty interesting to hear that. And, uh, you know, the other thing about you know, Federal was innovative in how they went distributed products, but also in the way they branded, you know, the opportunity back then they saw was much, we do some of it today too, which was, you know, private label for Montgomery wards for uh, Sears, a lot of these, these different um, places. So you see some super unique packaging in our history um, from redheads, which was Montgomery wards back then. And um, you know, revelation, we've got all these super cool old brands that that are really fun to look at and have really you know been part of the spirit that we see today in how we go to market do you know in so you put this awesome book together the hundred years of federal ammunition a hard-covered book that i think if it's for sale out there fellas everyone needs to buy it and i you know not only prepping for this but jv was nice enough to send me one and i read that thing cover to cover there is a picture of horn in a buick and but it's black and white so i don't know if it's the red buick but the guy needs to put some air in his tires <laughs> <laughs> yeah they didn't have run flat technology back then right. <laughs> in that picture it's a great picture and, and to think that he would deliver from Fauche tower he'd come all the way out to anoka i mean that was a hike yeah for come sure. on that was a hike to to pay everybody their payroll uh, at the end of the week, and then for him to be running around the countryside, you know the roads couldn't have been the greatest in the world, mm-hmm. and and you look at that car and it's like that is some history. Do you guys have that car? We do not. We don't. No, yeah. we should. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad we don't. Actually, exactly. it'd be a great artifact. Yeah, it would be cool. I thought of that when I was looking at artifacts here at the historical society, and when I was reading the book, it would be. To, to have that car renovated would be pretty cool. It'd be really cool. So let's talk real quick about, because I want to get in on this deal, $17 for 512-gauge shells. Yeah, that, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of uh, inflation since then. <laughs> you know, just, I mean, that was a long time ago. But yeah, and, and they actually used to pack 12-gauge shot shells in a 500-round case. It came in a wood crate, and we've got a lot of those um, that, that we're showcasing in our exhibits this year. So yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to imagine as you look at anybody's history, you know, how prices have changed, how configurations have changed. And, um, you know, we're, we're fortunate to, to still be sitting in the original building that, that was made in 1916 back then. Well, let's talk about that a little bit, because from the studying that I did, it's a 320 foot by 60 foot building. That's the original building. Mm-hmm. So you, you incorporated the rest of the growth and expansion around that? Yeah, so that, that original building actually is, is uh, still where Jason and I sit today. So uh, since 1916, I mean, the building's still there. We just built around it. 
So you look at the original building, it looks more like a, a long U, if you will. Um, and then we just built the center out of it. And uh, today, I mean, our, our offices, you can still see it in the catalog where our offices are today. The same brick, everything's the same. Probably didn't have air conditioning back then, so that's a little different. But other than that, it's exactly the same as it was. We'll give you the AC. Right. How's that? But exactly. you know what? To, to have that that history as part of the company, a hundred year old legacy is pretty cool that you keep that and you keep that yeah, as your offices. For sure. You have uh, a few other strong figures in the history of the company, John Haller and Bob Elin. John Haller, first employee, tell us about him. So John actually was part of the original federal cartridge um, before Charlie took it over in 1922. So he was the plant manager and, and Charlie, when he took over, you know, realized, look, I don't know anything about ammunition. You know, I've, I'm, I deal with steel balls and, and, you know, BBs looking for paper tubes. So he went back and hired John to, to really teach him about ammunition and to run the factory. And so he was a, a pivotal um, character in, in the history of, of Federal. Did, did he come up from St. Louis then? No, he was here in Anoka. Okay. He was part of the original um, shotgun shell factory here. Um, and you know, he, they really had only made 12 gauge shells You know they had a plan to do other gauges as well, but you know, that that's all they were able to get done, you know, as part when the Sherman brothers ran the company. So when Charles came in, he said, listen, he was a smart manager. He said, I, I don't know how to do this, but I need to put the right people in place to get this product, um, up and running. And, and John was the guy who ran the factory for him. And, and Bob Elin, I mean, holy cow. 57-year history at one company? Tell us about this guy. This is incredible. There's a reason the street going into our, our building is named after uh, Bob. Uh, I mean, he, he actually started on the floor. I mean, I think he was sweeping the floors. He was, he was actually part of the cleanup crew and, and worked his way all the way up to eventually mayor of Anoka uh, throughout his tenure. So really one of those guys who was you know kind of quietly – built up, uh, you know, a great career there and, and had a, a big influence on, on federal and who it is today. You know, at 23 years old, he's promoted to plant manager and he'd already had a pretty good tenure at the company. So the guy, you have to, if you're going to be there 57 years, you either live pretty old or you start really early or a little bit of both. Yeah. You know, I would love to have some employees 57 years. Mm-hmm. That, that is absolutely amazing. So let's fast forward a little bit. So one of the big turning points at Federal Ammunition was the Twin Cities Ordnance Plant. Can you explain that a little bit, JV? Yeah, so the Twin Cities Ordnance Plant was over uh, not too far from where I live today. It's actually uh, just straight east of Anoka, probably 15 miles or so. And obviously during World War II, the U.S. Army needed more munitions to uh, service our troops and the Allies' troops. So they uh, came up with Twin City Ordnance, which is much like Lake City Ordnance Plant today, Lake City Army Ordnance, uh, LCAAP, Lake City Ammunition Army Plant out of Kansas City. Um, so we we got the contract, federal got the contract to run that for the uh, U.S. government, which is how they do it today. Um, and we've had been fortunate enough under ATK and under under uh, other leadership to run Lake City as well. So that... that it was in its peak of World War II, 26,000 employees to run the uh, Twin City Ordnance Plant. 
making uh, all kinds of different munitions for the U.S. and the Allied forces. And that really sprung Federal into learning how to get into the centerfire business, you know, to expand from the shot shell offerings, which we started under, to really learning how to do rifle ammunition and pistol ammunition as well. Gave us a lot of expertise. Um, And again, 26,000 people in the 40s in uh, the Twin Cities is a humongous employer. So uh, that really, really springboarded Federal into becoming the full-line manufacturer of ammunition that we are today. Did Federal own the Twin Cities Ordnance Plant, or were they commissioned to, to like, build it and run it? Yeah, so the way the Army, the way the government does it even today, the, it's, it's government property. You're a contractor of the government to run the facility. So uh, the government knows that sometimes the private sector runs businesses better um, in some instances. So in this instance, Army owns the plant, they own the equipment, and they contract Federal to run the ordnance plant. 26,000 employees. How many employees do you have at Federal today? Around 1,500. So we have 1,500, and during wartime it was 26,000 at the ordnance plant. Yeah, that pretty is amazing. absolutely incredible. Very Let's much. talk about all hands on deck. That's right. Holy cow. So one of the original products is still being manufactured today. And tell us about the Federal Papers. Still the best target shotgun shell made. Not saying that because we work for Federal. Um, I think if you asked uh, a lot of shooters today, what if you had one choice of a target load, what would it be? Uh, many of them would say Federal Papers. Um, still made the same exact way we started uh, back uh, in the 20s. And it's got six, um, six layers of it. Each layer has paraffin wax on it. So when you shoot a federal paper, what, you know, everyone loves the smell. It's like Hoppy's number nine, right? You smell it and it just, it's a, it's a smell that sticks with you and, uh, frankly smells good. So that's from the paraffin wax, uh, that that's in the hall. And so, uh, it takes several days to, to season that hall because you got to layer it, you wax it, you layer it, you wax it. Um, so we put them in humidity controlled rooms. And they sit in there um, for, I don't know, don't quote me on the number of days, but it's it's more than a week. They have to sit there so the wax impregnates in the paper, um, and then we send it to the factory to get loaded. So it is a extreme labor-intensive product. That's why they do cost more than a plastic hull, because there's a lot more labor and time go into them. But uh, there's not a better shotgun shell made today. It shoots soft, it you know less felt recoil better patterns. Um, so if you want the best shotgun shell made, it's we make it the same way as we did in the 20s. And contrary to belief, because I, uh, I get on some blogs once in a while because I'm an avid clay target shooter, we haven't changed the way we made that thing. We still use the same crates that we carry the hauls in um, that we have in the 20s. So it is, it is made the same way, contrary to what anyone, anyone can say, and if you still want the best, it's still there available for you. Pretty much. If it ain't broke, don't fix That's it. That's right. You can't, you, it's hard to improve on the performance of that shell. So I'm going to tell you a horrific story. I was sitting around a bonfire literally in the last week with some neighbors that were moving. And he was telling a story that he, after his father had passed, he just got all kinds of stuff from his dad. And as they were getting ready to move, he decided, you know what, I need to just purge some of this stuff. And he goes... Yeah, I had four boxes 
that were in perfect condition of wax paper shotgun shells. And I threw them away. Oh, oh no. And I wanted to cry. And I said, tell me you didn't. And I said, which dump did they go to? Because I might try to go dig them up. This is in the last week that came up. And I said, those are worth some money. That's right. They are. Those Absolutely. are worth some definite money. So can you tell us a little bit about the current footprint? What, you know, if we're fast forwarding now sure. a little bit and what the current footprint, because we started with... Uh, let me look here. I forget the exact size. We we'll started with a 320 by 60 building. Thank you very much. And what do we have today? A little bigger than that? So today we are on about 170 acres inside, uh, for the most part, inside the city of Anoka. We do on the very eastern border where the railroad track comes through the factory. We do touch into the city of Coon Rapids. So we're literally inside the city limits of two cities. Um, the factory for the most... Oh, I'm trying to think all of the factory is within the city limits of Anoka. Uh, some of the primer fields are in the city limits of Coon Rapids. And we have about 750,000 square feet of manufacturing space today. Um, encompasses, you know, I don't know how many acres just of, of manufacturing space. But uh, from, from a 320 to 60 to 750,000 square feet today, it's uh, pretty, pretty darn uh, humbling how big we have become. Um, but most importantly, how, how humble that we always need to be and how we always will be, because I think, uh, in business, you always need to be humble and you always need to be working for those breadcrumbs because there's a point in time where businesses become complacent and, uh, complacency kills businesses and we will never be that. I don't uh, think I under you. I don't think under your leadership there's going to be a whole lot of complacency no, happening. <laughs> and you know, all you have to do is look at history of what companies have done if if that happens, and it it never turns out very well for no. them. No. Let's talk about 1920. You had original shot shells. That's what the plant made. So, Nash, you were talking about uh, shotgun shells in 1920, and that's all they did was 12 gauge shells. They didn't even go into the other calibers. But now there's rim fire, there's center fire, there's pistol. And then uh, I want to talk a little bit about, because you make your own primers. Can you tell us all about that? Yeah, they, you know, rim fire came in 1924 and, and with the same strategy of, you know, a lot of private label. So we, we just were going through some of our packaging collection recently and have some really cool brands, Hiawatha. Uh, I mean, it's just really fun to see those old designs. But yeah, primers are really what, set us apart still today as, as a company, um, the ability to, to manufacture our own primers. And, and really the federal primer is sought after by reloaders. You know, we just have every consumer show we go to, you know, that the guys are coming up asking, you know, when they'll be able to find primers and, uh, you know, we're making more than we, we ever have. So, um, that, that has really been the key to federal success among other things. So you started with shot shells. You went to was it in order rim fire or was it center fire next? Do you, do you rim know fire was second. So rim fire, then center fire, then obviously pistol loads. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, the 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 police forces out there and and your your relationship with federal? Yeah. So uh, federal premium has a. Uh, a great history of uh, supporting law enforcement. Today, we manufacture some of the best law enforcement rounds that there is under the HST sub-brand. Um, Hydroshock really started the craze of uh, 
you know, a, a true duty round instead of a lead, just a regular lead hollow point. Hydroshock, federal change, personal defense protection um, with Hydroshock back in the 70s, I believe. Um, and Hydroshock really to this day still has a tremendous following. We've improved upon Hydroshock with the HST round. Um, and on the pistol side of the business, on the rifle side of the business, with uh, T3, which is a which is the standard uh, two two three round out there used by many many law enforcement agencies, federal, state, and local. Um, so so you know, Jason talked about federal strength on the primer side. Federal's other biggest strength is bonding bullets, without question. If you had to say, what are the two strengths of our company? It's the primers, number one. Um, and then also a number one is how we bond a bullet. So, uh, you know, when we designed HST, when we designed T3, um, some other loads out there that agencies use today that are not open to the public, it is our, our bonding capabilities that separate us from everyone else. Can you tell us about PV and, and some of the quality measures and quality control that, that you use at Federal? Yeah, so uh, quality has to be number one. Um, not only is it the right thing to do, but we also need to understand that literally people's lives depend on our quality. So every, every lot that we make, it doesn't matter if it's rimfire shot shell, centerfire rifle, centerfire pistol, goes through a stringent quality testing for accuracy, pressure, and velocity. So we'll take random samples from absolutely every lot, and we shoot them every day. I don't know how many rounds we shoot every day, but it's an um, in unbelievable amount of ammunition that we do testing um and if there's if it doesn't fall within our strict quality controls we absolutely don't pass that whole lot so uh every lot uh, every day every shift is tested and we will never ever get away from that quality is who we are and quality is who we always will be well and and hooray to that and you know what that's that's when you're talking about american made made here in the good old usa Every company you talk to, that's one of the things that there is a common theme between every one of us, and that is quality. Absolutely. And it's, it's our, our customers depend on it, and we, wouldn't, we will never let them down. In 1977, Federal changed the way ammunition was loaded. You started loading bullets for other manufacturers. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we started out in 1977 really to... Um, I think 77 was probably a turning point for our company where you focus on the end user more. Um, I, and, and it started with two companies with Nosler and Sierra. So not only sometimes we have to uh, put our egos aside and say, hey, what does the end user look for? The end user wanted more performance out of a bullet, but they wanted uh, in factory ammunition. So what we started with Nosler Partition, the Sierra Boat Tail, um, so we loaded Sierra and, and Nosler ammunition in the Federal Premium line. So if a loader, if a hunter or shooter wanted a Sierra bullet, then in, at the time they had to hand load. You know, so why not offer in factory ammunition with the stringent test controls that we put under the Federal Premium brand or, you know, just offer Sierra and Nosler in factory loaded ammo and we created a whole new category which has been blossoming to that to this day federal premium ammunition it was our loads with someone else's bullet you know i think that that seemed to make a big change in the hunting industry i think you, you think of white-tailed deer you think of mule deer you think of elk 
and you, you talk about the the nozzler partition or the boat tail and that's all you heard for a while and mm -hmm. i'm old enough to remember when that was happening and and it really seemed to revolutionize a lot of big game hunting absolutely i mean we literally created that category and, and then when when jason became president of federal he went back to that and said look we've lost some of these bullets so let's start to put more into the premium line and then let the consumer vote on which bullets they want and that concept's gone a step further when uh, he introduced the custom shop where people can actually go in and, and choose which caliber they want and they can pick any number of bullets in fact broader than what we offer in our standard product catalog and that's been fun to watch is that all, all under the premium brand then yeah mm -hmm. uh, so let's talk about that the custom shop real quickly is Somebody like myself that's not into hand loading, but understands that the hand loaders can get a little bit more things out of, uh, and, and people like tweaking and, and doing things like that. Is that what the custom shop was, was really the thought pattern around it was, hey, we might have people that aren't going to hand load, but they want some attributes that you might get from hand loading? Yeah, I think the you know the really the gist of the custom shop was for one to to continue to to show consumers the power of our brand. Federal Premium is the benchmark for rifle ammo. Period. Always will be. It's the gold standard. I mean, NRA ran a cover with us as we're gold standard. Um, so, but but there are just some things where we can't put it in the big factory because the change over time is too too long. You have to keep the factory going. Um, but there are customers who love Federal, but we didn't offer a bullet at the time under the Federal Premium brand, and I'll pick on Horn of the ELDX. A great bullet out in the market, very popular bullet. We don't offer that in the Federal Premium line just because we don't have enough room to. But there's a lot of people who love the ELDX bullet. So if you want an ELDX bullet but you love Federal because of our accuracy, because of our primers, our propellant, you can order Horn of the ELDX in our custom shop. Um, and on the rifle side, so you, like Jason mentioned, you have a much more expanded offering of bullets on the shot shell side is probably where we see tremendous amount of growth with TSS. So today, for instance, we don't offer 10 gauge Turkey loads under T with TSS. It's our number one selling custom shop load. We don't offer 28 gauge TSS. Um, it's our second best selling custom shop load. So, you know, as, as TSS has revolutionized shot shell, much like Federal did in 1977, the custom shop gives customers exactly what they want under the gauge they want, under the size shot they want, and it is without question the best value in the ammunition business is our custom shop, without question. 10-gauge TSS. Are, you, are we using howitzers out there? I mean, what are we trying to shoot? I mean... Some but, people really hate turkeys, I think. I think they must, or they, or they are really poor callers, and they can't get them close yeah. enough, so we might as well get them out yonder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's 149 It's about $15 a shot, right? A thousand pellets. A thousand pellets. <laughs> and it is a tremendous... You think of all the old SP-10s out there, the Ithaca 10-gauges, the BPS 10-gauges... And no one loaded factory 10-gauge TSS, right? So it's just a fun project to see what, what it can do. Um, and, and it's just a tremendous offering for our customers. And they are certainly embracing it because it's, 
much bigger than we ever thought it would be. We thought it'd be kind of a fun experimental project, but it's actually turned into a, a nice business now. I'm I'm good with three and a half inch TSS loads. <laughs> I, I literally, trying to be ethical, I had a crippled duck and my buddies at duck camp were, were around me and this, this cripple was going out. Best guess was 100 yards on the water and I rolled it. Yeah. There's not, it's nothing. It's, it's, if, if you, if no one has ever not tried it, it changes the game like to something you can't imagine. It is absolutely amazing. Folks, TSS, go get yourself some. And, uh, boy, you 10 gauge guys, you're, uh, you're tougher than I am. I'll tell you. Holy yeah. cow. JV, tell us about your tenure at Federal. You've had a great run. Yeah, it's been a great run with all of our team, right? I mean, that's our, our whole management team from Jason. I think he's worked here longer than I have. Um, so I, I've been here almost 18 years. I think it'll be 18 years in, in October or September of this year. So we started up on the sales side, um, calling on a little count in Bentonville, Arkansas, called Walmart. So uh, I had no idea uh, what in the world to call on Walmart meant. So I certainly, it was this, this, the school of hard knocks. Right here's your account. They're Walmart. They're your biggest account back in the day. Go get them, um, Tiger. Go get them. Go right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So from there, you know, it's just been we've been we've been very fortunate as a family. But but most importantly, we have so we have a great supporting cast at Federal. Um, so I certainly wouldn't be where I'm at today without the team around me, um, because the team around me is as tenured as I am, if not more. Um, you know. So so again, you just have this scrappy. We just have a scrappy attitude with our company. We we were certainly, you know, the and I don't know how the DNA of the company continues through the twenties of literally going to barbershops and pool halls to where we are today, but we've always never ever taken number one for granted and we never will. I don't ever want us to see to see um us come into like a Sears and Roebuck or Kmart. There's some monster US companies who become complacent. And, you know, if you'd have said 20 years ago, Sears and Roebuck would be out of business or Kmart would be out of business, there would have, no way, right? And, and uh, we have to always be, if, if there's two things that will keep federal in number one's position, always focus on the end user because the, if, you, if you focus on the end user and work backwards in the organization, you will always win. Um, and two, you'll always be innovative, right? C- customers demand new, doesn't matter if you're selling iPhones or if you're selling ammunition, they want what's the latest and greatest. So don't become complacent. Always drive for new. Never, ever be happy with the status quo. Always challenge the status quo. And if we do that, we follow, literally, it's that that simple. It will be in good hands here for the next 100 years. I, No doubt we don't know what the industry holds, but uh, I think our DNA, if, if they hold those truths self-evident as uh, an important document of our industry uh, uh, is, says, Federal being great hands going forward. You know, you 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 said a couple of key words there. One was stay scrappy, and the other one was humble. Mm-hmm. And even though you're number one, if you don't act like it, that's right. You're always going to be hungry and innovative. And and like you said, who really matters at the end of the day? Yes, all of our employees do at all of our companies, but the customer. Customer, because if you work, if you start with the person shooting our ammunition. And, and you address those needs, you are so far ahead to competition, and, and, but don't do it where you're arrogant, right? You have to be humble and scrappy and uh, never take that number one position for granted, and we'll be fine. 
right? It's, it's literally, I'm not the smartest business guy in the world, but certainly if you just do those two things, I think you're ahead of the competition and you, you'll, you'll prosper. Well, I think you're pretty smart and, and I think you're pretty intelligent on also surrounding yourself with some really That's smart the key. people. All right. That's the key. I've met, I've met a lot of them and, and, uh, I'm always humbled by them and, and, uh, feel like a, 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 a pretty, uh, unintelligent human being when I'm around your team. So there's been a recent announcement. So you, you start with the humble beginnings of having this little teeny account in, in sales called Walmart, and there's a recent announcement. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, we announced a couple weeks ago. So Vista was a, was a product of a spinoff of Alliant Tech Systems with uh, back in like seven or eight years ago. It's probably been now. So Vista Outdoor was formed. Um, and we just announced a couple weeks ago, so Vista is going to spin out um, our outdoor products um, businesses, which is, think of Bushnell, Bell Giro, Camelback, Camp Chef, Stone Glacier, you know, um, so we're going to be what we call a Remain Co. So we're going to remain Vista Outdoor, although we will rename ourselves, but uh, we are going to spin out our outdoor products, so we will be a pure play ammunition company so cci spear federal remington heavy shot estate will be our own publicly traded company um, and then our outdoor products business will also be a publicly traded company um, with uh, much much leading one and two brands of their industry you know you think of camelback and belgiro bushnell primos hoppies rcbs some awesome brands right on the on the outdoor product side so we're going to split up, um, and then uh, we'll be Remain Co. They will be Spin Co. And Chris Metz, who's our CEO of Vista Outdoor, will go to the outdoor product side as CEO, and I'll be CEO of uh, of the ammunition side. And uh, exciting times, great value for our shareholders. Um, and it'll be, uh, you know, federal. I was trying to think the other day, I don't know how many times we've been spun out of companies with uh, Blount, Pentair, ATK. I mean, we've... I think this is our number four or five of, of being split out. So we will be uh, sometime in 2023 our own publicly traded company. So uh, it's exciting times, great exciting times for our shareholders, um, for our employees. And uh, you know what? I, I've, I've always said it. We have the best team in the industry, and we'll be able to flourish uh, as, a, as our own standalone company as well. I think it's going to be pretty exciting for the customers as well. I, it will be, for sure. That's pretty cool. So let's go back to the pandemic. During the pandemic, as we all know, if you went to the shelves of any of your favorite sporting goods stores and tried to find shelves, it was becoming very difficult for the consumer. And thank goodness I don't have any uh, social media because I, it would have just been very frustrating for me, but I heard a lot of stories and then you decided to address some of these false stories that were circulating around um, social media and made a YouTube video. Can you tell us the thought pattern behind that and, and, and what the outcome of that actually was? Yeah, so, so we obviously, what, what, what the thought pattern was very simple. Sometimes when you, you got to play offense on messaging, um, and we thought at the time it was all of uh, a lot of conspiracy theories going around that just frankly were just 100% false. And some of those theories go around to this day. Um, 
but whatever, people can believe whatever. So it was just literally something as basic as sitting in our office with Nash and said, hey, we have to get our message out, right? Because I don't want our employees, they can, they can do whatever they want to me, right? They can say whatever they want. It doesn't bother me. And much like you, Tom, I have zero social media presence and I don't want any social media presence. I just want to concentrate on running a business. And uh, so we, we uh, decided to go out there and walk the factory so so our customers can see for ourselves that we are working 24-7. We're not storing it in secret warehouses. That one there always was like, uh, that one probably of all of the theories that I've heard about, that one really confused me because we're a public company today. Any customer can go look at our quarterly filings, and if your revenue grows, that means you're not storing product, right? You're, you are shipping product as fast as you can, so we just wanted to walk the factory and and let customers see for themselves that we are working 24/7. Our employees are are working through a pandemic, so all of our customers can get more ammo. Now, I sometimes can ask the question, why can't we do it fast enough? Why why can't we just turn the lights on and build a new factory? Why can't we just make more 9mm? Supply chain has been a problem. Labor is a problem. You got to hire people. You have to train people. You have to ensure you have the materials to load the ammo. So, but you know, the team had done a tremendous amount in a relatively short period of time in manufacturing. And, you know, as far as our revenue growth during the pandemic, it was just awesome. And, uh, you know, the thought of the video was literally to be on the offense of the messaging get out there, show people that uh, we're making ammo, we're not shipping it to the government, we're not shipping it in, in warehouses. Um, and it was uh, over 2 million views was the first one. Um, and uh, I think the comments for the most part were, were very favorable, maybe in the 90 percentile of favorable comments. Um, and you know what, the people who, um, who are negative about that, that's fine, right? The great thing about our country is you can believe what you want and you can have a space to believe what you want. We just wanted to be the source of the truth. You know, I, I it was interesting because my phone blew up the day that you did that. And people are like, you know, JV did a YouTube today for a lot of the naysayers out there on social media. And, and you could tell you were, you were upset by some of the mm -hmm. things being said. My question would be, does anyone really believe that the shareholders of a company would be okay with you just sitting and filling warehouses when you had a customer base to pay good money for this, that you're just going to fill warehouses with it? That's, that's the irony of it. We're a publicly traded company. We have to, we have to um, deliver to our shareholders. But, you know, it was really more or less, you could, you could walk the floor. I walk the floor every day. I, I still walk the factory floor every day today. Um, you could see the the employees really the morale was starting to go down because it, it wanes on them. They're working twelve hours a day. It's hot. It's humid in Minnesota in the summer, and it was waning on them. So I did the video really to to lift up the employees to say, "Hey, you, you, our employees, we're working around the clock. We appreciate you. Management appreciates you. And and the naysayers are going to be the naysayers. That's fine, right? But let's get our story out there so we give our employees, you know, a lot of good credit that they deserved. That's why we did it. And maybe the people that were, were, you know, jumping on the coattails of the naysayers 
heard it from you first and they're going, okay, wait a minute, they're addressing this. Right. You know, who do, who do I really believe? Exactly. I mean, there's a baby formula shortage today, right? So shortages happen. <laughs> it's just, um, you know, how fast this one happened, really, really, you, no company could react. We reacted as fast as we possibly could. And I think the data shows that, um, but, but, you know, you can't prepare for everything, but when, when these, um, when these situations come, it certainly shows you how good of a team you have and how nimble we are that we were, we were so ready to react as fast as we could. And we did. That's pretty cool. You know, they always say, uh, uh, the the way to a good offense is a great defense. Well, sometimes it's it's a great offense to yeah. to be defensive toward some of the naysayers when it's just flat out wrong. Yeah, it was just wrong, and that it's still resonating today. You know, we we just got back from the NRA convention, and people came up and asked us questions other than availability, so that the message got across. You know, and up until that point, our top video was under a million views, and it was Brock Lesnar. Um, with fusion. And so Jason took down Brock Lesnar, uh, with that video. Figuratively speaking. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. you look like a pretty strong guy, yeah. but I've also met Brock Lesnar. Exactly. I, uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> so before we go to the second segment, let's talk about some of your mission statement and some of that is conservation youth sports and and nash i know you guys are really involved with the high school trap teams can you tell us about the the involvement from federal yeah that's another one of those elements that's been with federal through all of its history you know um, charles horn believed in it jason believes in it we've we've had an that's always been a fabric of, of who we are and what we do and we still have a dedicated team today that works on youth shooting sports, making sure they get product when they need it so they can support the future of, of shooting sports and conservation. We, we do more than any other ammunition company or really any other company in this industry to support conservation through on-box royalty programs, putting dollars on the ground through key organizations like Pheasants Forever, who's local here, um, you know, we work with every conservation group to make sure that we continue to have that legacy and that, you know, habitat available for people to enjoy it for years to come. I heard a statistic recently that, and, and the one I heard is for the state of Minnesota, where we all live, is the number one growing sport in high school sports is trap. And since its inception, it is the only sport that has had zero injuries that's right it's a great story it's a it's an inclusive sport you know there may be people who aren't strong enough and fast enough to compete in different kinds of traditional you know athletic pursuits so this is a great place for anybody can come and and succeed and it's i think it's shown throughout the growth of trap shooting and then you know we're seeing it also translate into more sporting clay shooters. That's been a huge um, area of growth for the shooting sports outside of, of high school. So we're excited to see that, and, and we want to continue to be a great source for these programs to, to have ammunition and be able to shoot. I think that is so cool because you, you talk about the inclusivity of it, and, and heck, the girls can outshoot the boys, and, and the kid that's, you know, five foot, 
uh, one and 120 pounds dripping wet can can outdo the big old uh, mm-hmm. offensive linemen. Absolutely. I think that just makes it so cool that that anybody can do this sport, and it doesn't have to do with how fast you are, how big you are, or or anything else. No, it's uh, awesome. It, it's the only way to put it. When we come back after the break, we'll continue to talk to Jason and Jason of Federal Ammunition. And we'll talk about some of the innovations that make Federal the leader in providing customers with the best ammunition in the world. It's a legacy 100 years in the making, where American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism. Technology blended with new ideas. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota. Born in 1922, made in America, proud to be the best. A century of innovation, and we're just getting warmed up. Welcome back to It's Federal Season, and our technology segment, Tech Talk. Welcome back to It's Federal Season podcast. I'm your guest host, Tom Sega, President and CEO of Duluth Pack. Let's talk about the lifeblood of a company, and that is new products, new innovations. JV, can you tell us on some of the things that are coming out at Federal? Yeah, new products is a good good point, Tom. It's uh, absolutely the lifeblood of any company and your assurances of uh, being new and not being stale and complacent. Um, we can take Terminal Ascent, for instance, which is a, a bullet that we introduced a couple years ago, I think last year, it is without question the best hunting bullet made at any range. So one of the challenges that uh, you have in engineering a bullet is does it perform at a thousand yards as good as it performs at 50 yards? Because I think uh, maybe I'm one of the few people today that doesn't shoot a deer at a thousand yards, but long, long range shooting is, is certainly um, it's a hot, hot topic and it's a hot category, right? So, so again, regardless if we agree in long range shooting or not, I personally think some people shouldn't shoot as long as they do. But the consumers want a per bullet that performs at all ranges. Terminal Ascent gives you that. So again, at 1,000 yards, at 50 yards, that bullet performs on terminally um, better than any bullet out in there. You know, we have a special name in our hunting camp for that because we do shoot those, the Devastator. Yeah. It is absolutely devastating. It is. It is. It just, it absolutely works. And uh, I've shot enough game with it to know that if it's three or 400 yards, or if it's a hundred yards, that animal, if, if, if I do my job and place the bullet in the right spot, that bullet is certainly going to perform. Um, is it going to kill something if you hit it in the, in the hind quarters? Probably not. Right. But shot placement is key no matter what bullet you use, as you know. Um, so that's, that has been very good. You know, we came out with a Top Gun Bio Wad, which is the wad is literally made of cardboard, um, and it performs awesome. So, um, you know, the problem with a biodegradable wad, sometimes it doesn't work in cold weather real well. So the cardboard wad, no matter if it's 100 degrees out, if it's 20 below, that cardboard wad works really well. We've, we've come out with so many different new products in the last three years. It's just unbelievable. 30 Super Carry we introduced with... Smith and Wesson uh, a couple months ago really revolutionizes personal defense. So uh, it's all about how many rounds can you fit in a magazine today. 
So we, we came up with a round that gives you 9mm performance in the size of a 380. So in a standard sub subcompact gun, you get two more rounds in your magazine, and you're not sacrificing any performance. You know, one of the, one of the drawbacks of a 380 is it doesn't perform really well um, if you ever have to use it um, in a situation. So there was really this subcompact market that is just on fire right now but really needing a caliber that did not sacrifice performance. So 30 Super Carry with our Smith & Wesson friends, been a tremendous success. Um, that'll be our biggest new product of the year. And we have some awesome new products yet to come that we'll, uh, that we'll talk about here in the next six months or so. Okay, can we go back and talk about Black Cloud? Black Cloud, revolutionized uh, steel shot. Um, Probably been a decade or so, I bet you, since we bought Black Cloud out. So with TSS coming out, um, we had to come out with Black Cloud TSS. So we have some TSS in a steel load, so we bring the price point down. So you get FS steel and TSS, um, and we make it in two different loads in 12-gauge. would be a 3 and a 9, so you're getting a 3 steel, 9 TSS. And then we do a BB7, so BB Steel 7 TSS. So if you want the performance of Black Cloud and the performance of TSS without the big price tag of 100% TSS, Black Cloud TSS, is there's, there's nothing like it in the market. And uh, I would venture to say if you ever shoot it, you will only shoot that stuff. Um, gives you the flight control wad, uh, the performance of TSS and the FS Steel Nothing, nothing like it. I would not want to be a duck on the receiving end of that. <laughs> well, maybe if I was shooting, you'd be, you'd be just safe. Yeah. JV, can you talk about the introduction of the fire stick for the muzzle loaders? Yeah, um, a fun project that we worked with Traditions. You know, it's, it's, we, I think most of us here probably shoot muzzle loading. Um, and it, we, we, again, when you start with the end consumer, muzzle loading can be a little intimidating. You know, with Pyrodex pellets, it certainly simplified it. But a lot of people just are getting intimidated by the by having to put the powder down the bore. Then you then you stuff the bullet on top. We had to come out with a way that made muzzle loading one safe and two easy. So what we did for our consumers is we we came out with think of a twenty eight gauge hull. Okay, so we put powder in that. So then you 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 load the muzzle loader still through the muzzle with the bullet. But when you break action that gun, you put in essentially a fire stick, which again, think of a 28-gauge hull, you put it in through the breech. So it, it is all ready for you. The powder's measured. All you do is you insert the primer into the hull, and you put the bullet through the top, and you're ready to go. So if you have to unload your, which at some point you need to unload your firearm, you just take the, the hull out and punch your bullet out so you don't have to go shoot your muzzle loader anymore to unload it and but again it is so safe it is waterproof and the performance is second to none i mean we're seeing seven feet a second variability on velocities it is that precise so what we've done is just with with our friends at tradition we have revolutionized a category that really for the last 10 years hasn't seen a lot of innovation that that's that's really innovative when you think about it in the environment of water, 
snow, your mm. muzzle loading. What are we always worried about? That's moisture. Right. Moisture. And now you've completely eliminated that variable. That. Absolutely. And it is so safe and so unintimidating. So if, if a customer has ever wanted to muzzle load hunt, it is so simple now. Um, again, think of the end user and come backwards from that and you'll be fine. Folks, it's the introduction of the fire stick. You got to go read about it. It's pretty super it's cool. It's way cool. It's way cool. Can you talk a little bit about HOA? Yeah. So, um, federal has, uh, you know, with federal papers, um, uh, you know, a tremendous following in the shooting sports, but our drawback of plastic premium hauls has federal has always been the number three player in that. So when we acquired Remington, Remington makes the best haul in the industry for reloaders. So uh, the STS and Nitro 27 haul has always been the gold standard that reloaders wanted to use that haul. Um, they liked the performance of Federal, but the gold medal was not a reloadable haul very well. It had a, had a steel base. It was a straight haul, so you had to use a special wad. So what we did is, the, you know, the minute we acquired Remington is we, we, we knew the path to get Federal to be the number one or two player was to use an STS haul. So we're uh, using an STS or Nitro 27 haul with a Remington primer. We're shipping those loads up to Anoka. We came up with a new one-piece wad, which is what customers wanted in the podium wad. So now we have a tapered hull, a one-piece podium wad, which feels uh, it does definitely soften the recoil, the way the design of the base of the wad works. And then we're putting 4% antimony shot in it. So... Customers get the best of both worlds. They get the best haul on the market so they can reload. A one-piece wad, 4% antimony shot, and it is uh, on fire, to put it mildly. So customers who have always wanted a, a plastic federal um, reloadable haul have the best in the market now. People can go on the website. They can read about this. They can learn some more about it. They can call customer service if they have mm -hmm. questions. Yeah, you bet. Where do they find federal? federalpremium.com it's it's all of our all of the uh, content is there and all of our retailers across this country uh bear with us on the target shotgun shell market it's a very hot market so i understand the frustrations of not being able to find it but trust me we're making it every day not far from where we're sitting right that's now that's right that's exactly and right. how about the social handles we've got at federal premium it is uh where you'll find us on instagram facebook yeah we're on facebook and twitter Okay, yep. perfect. And you can see on YouTube, you can see JV's uh, uh, videos that he did when he was in the middle of the pandemic, and then obviously new videos since that time. Yep, all sure. of our new product videos. And, you know, we also have a great section on new shooters uh, getting into the industry and some tips and tricks for them to as they learn how to use their new firearms properly. Jason and Jason, this has been really cool. But before we go... Uh, we want to talk about the culture at the company and people's careers, but it has been so fun to learn more about the history of this absolute heritage company. hundred years old. How cool is that? We're young compared to your company, Tom. Well, you know what? <laughs> you know, some guys got to pave the way here maybe a little bit. Uh, but no, I mean, gosh, a hundred years. You just don't see heritage American companies that have just stuck to it done it here, done it the right way mm -hmm. for a hundred straight years. That is epic. It is. No, certainly a lot of, a lot of great leaders before us.
and you guys take a leadership position being number one in your market in the world. Mm-hmm. That's, that's amazing. Let's talk about culture, mm-hmm. because you have people who have 20-year, 30-year, 40-year, and in the case of Bob Elan, 57-year career. There's something about the culture here. Can sure. you talk a little bit about that and, and why people would stay that long? One, we, we treat our employees very well. Um, first and foremost, you know, we're nothing without our employees. So, uh, the, the, you know, I'm, I'm at the same level as the person loading ammunition on third shift on weekends, right? I don't exist. My job doesn't exist unless our workers are, are there making ammunition. And so it doesn't matter what position you're in. We have an open door policy. Um, and it doesn't matter what shift you in. Everyone is as important as everyone. There's not one person more important than anyone. Um, and I think that's that uh, you have to have that because, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, we're just overhead unless we make ammunition, right? So if you have that mentality and then, but but I, I think it's that we're a passion industry. People love ammunition and they love firearms. How cool is it to work for an ammo company? It doesn't get any cooler, right? It's just a sense of coolness, right? You're making ammunition every day. It doesn't get much better than that. Um and, and, you know, the benefits that we offer, you get seconds, you can go buy ammo fairly cheap at the company store. Um, but again, we're, we're very, very fortunate that for the most part, our, our workforce is a passion workforce, knowing and breathing and living and dreaming. They get to make what they enjoy to use in the field every day. And it's a pride of, we make the best. There's no better ammo made than federal. Um, and I think when you put all of those pieces together, we're a good company. And, and our, one of our mottos is we're a career, we're not a job. Um, and I think with our tenured workforce, I think uh, it certainly shows that our workforce believes in that as well. You know, 36 years ago when I graduated college, the first place I put in a resume was at, at Federal Ammunition Company. You guys made a wide choice. You chose not to hire me. <laughs> Well, I think that's a, that's another great thing about the culture is that we we partner with brands that are like us, and I think pe- people see that and they get excited by the fact that we've got Duluth Pack um, products for sale on our site. We're doing partnerships with Duluth Pack and and many other great brands in our in our industry. So, um, and even a little bit outside of the industry. So it's been fun to to see that, and and you see a lot of generations of families go through the factory. We've got many examples of sons and daughters, you know, working where their parents did. And, and that's been really one of the great things to see as we've studied our history and, and come to our celebration here of 100 years. And you, you actually celebrate a lot of that in, your, in the book, the hardcover book, the 100th anniversary of federal ammunition. And, and that's pretty cool when you have generations of people working for the same company. That's a testament to this, this is a great culture here because how would you, why would you ever tell one of your children, hey, go work where dad has worked his whole career because it's a lousy place? I don't think so. <laughs> That's right. You do it because it's a great place and a great career and a family. Absolutely. And, and uh, we can't take that lightly. Jason and Jason, thank you so much for spending your time today with us. This is a really important year in the hundredth anniversary of Federal Ammunition Company. And here's to another hundred years, fellas. Congratulations. 
Thanks, Tom. We really appreciate you coming down and doing this for us. It, uh, we, we love your company and uh, a partnership that we have that goes back many years. And uh, one day, Duluth Pack will always be older than federal, but we're going to get to, uh, to 200 years. I know it for a fact, and, and I know your company will uh, thrive as well. Well, we certainly hope so. It is our 140th, and we're very proud of that as well. And, and we understand the, the steps that you're in right now with this, this big anniversary year. So yeah. congratulations. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. When we return, Jason Nash will take over the microphone, and he will interview Cassie of the Anoka County Historical Society and the opening of an exhibit highlighting Federal's first 100 years. It's a season with no beginning or end. With bonds so strong, not weather or age. Or thousands of miles keep us from it. Our love for it is as varied as those who are addicted to its pursuit. A connection with the outdoors. with family and your best friend. We plan with anticipation. We prepare and wait in silence. With tired legs, cold hands, we push on. All in hopes of hearing a call that shatters the calm to see the approach of thundering skies and experience the instantaneous rush. For whatever your reason, this is our season. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and the News and Notes segment Welcome back to the It's Federal Season podcast. I'm VP of Marketing, Jason Nash. I'm pleased to have Cassie Mockentoon here from the Anoka County Historical Society. You're an archivist and um, you know we're, we're actually doing our podcast in the ACHS today here in Anoka, Minnesota. Um, l- let's talk about the partnership and, and the exhibit. Uh, what is it that vis- visitors can expect to see when they come um, Starting what July? 9th. July, yeah, July 9th. Um, yeah, they can um, come in and explore. Um, we got some artifacts such as um, um, wooden boxes and crates that they used to store the um, the bullets and whatnot in. We got a couple of machinery things up for people to look at, and um, a pretty stellar cutout of uh, Charles Horn. You can pop in and take a picture with. So yeah, it should be pretty nice. Perfect. Yeah, I actually see there's a, a replica of Charles Horn's desk <laughs> right yeah. behind us here. That would be fun for people to actually open the drawers and see what it might have been like to, to sit in his seat. Yeah, yeah. And it's complete with a carnation, too, that was pretty quintessentially uh, Charles Horn. And, and we got some videos up, too, that are going to be um, kind of going through some old pictures and stuff that aren't actually on exhibit. So, yeah, should be able to... Uh, you know, take a peek at those, and we got magazines that that um, visitors can flip through to and actually look at the old monarchs. So perfect, yeah. The monarch was the employee newsletter um, that actually we still have an employee newsletter. It's evolved a little bit to incorporate more brands as our company's grown, but 
yeah, we've got a, a whole selection of those that, that people can flip through and see what was happening back in the day. Absolutely. Maybe find a couple of family members or whatever featured. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for those who don't know, Charles Horn had a fresh flower every morning when he came into the office. So there was actually a, a mobile flower shop right there on the, on the grounds. Another interesting fact about Federal and, and its leader at the time. Um, this display looks fantastic. You all have done a great job. Uh, it looks like it's a nice mix of stories, products, and our community involvement. Um, you know, how, how integral is the company with the community from uh, your perspective? Uh, very integral. I know when we were setting up the, um, the exhibit, that was a, a big part of um, when people would come in when we did like a mini opening last summer and um, just point people out in pictures and um, tell their own stories when they, you know, found some some picture that had a family member. And then we kind of um, had people write in with um, different stories. So that's been a big part of, um, you know, how we've, we've adjusted things and um, uh, made the community really integral to it, so. Perfect. So what, what's the most interesting thing you've found as you've gone through? Um, probably the, uh, probably all the pictures. I was really stunned by how many pictures, especially from the the seventies and the eighties and how most of those pictures weren't, you know, area, when you think of a big company, you think of aerial views and things like that. And I was very surprised they took pictures of their employees and there were so many to go through. So we're hoping that, you know, one day we can get those pictures all processed and then have, um, people come and identify as many of those, those individuals as we can. So yeah, that was my favorite part. Awesome. Well, Cassie, it opens to the public on July 9th. July 9th. Come Perfect. in and see it. All right. Well, thank you very much for having us here, hosting us and for coming on and, and doing a little plug. We're, we're excited, um, to continue the celebration and, and to have people learn more about federal. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. If you like the It's Federal Season podcast, be sure to let us know by filling out a rating and review on iTunes. And remember, for us, it's always in season. It's Federal Season.